friends! Welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. Today we're going to be exploring the fairy factory that shares the same land with my home. We're going to be talking about how it works, some deep historical happenings between humans and fairies, as well as just getting some insight into the day-by-day of some various fae folk. I learned so much making this episode. This was so interesting, so I hope you enjoy. Here we go. We have been dog-sitting a very high-maintenance dog the last few weeks, so things have been a little crazy and is part of the reason why I pushed this episode back a week. (laughs) I honestly just needed to sleep. When I first made this podcast, my intention was to batch create episodes so that I'd have about five cued and then would make the rest as I went. That way, if I wasn't able to finish one for whatever reason or needed to take a week off or whatever, it would be fine. I would have enough ready to essentially just keep it going, you know, without any break. I may be repeating myself in this section, so I'm sorry if I do. I literally don't remember what I've shared before. (laughs) But anyways, so after I made the first episode of the podcast, I accidentally published everything, (laughs) so I just decided to go with it. It was already live. All of it was published. What the hell? Let's just see what happens. So I've been making them as the week comes, which is fun being able to pick a topic that I and other people resonate during that week, but it's also a lot of work. (laughs) And so in order to honor my needs and not burn out, sometimes I need to take a break, which is ideally not what I wanted, but whatever. It's been a great learning process and I appreciate (laughs) you being here and your understanding. Anyways, we have been dog sitting. I love running walking, all that good stuff. That's a big way for me to meditate. And part of the reason why I love it so much is because I just like looking at different houses. (laughs) So whenever I'm in a new environment, I just like going out and exploring. That being said, I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about this episode. I had an inkling that the fey folk at my home wanted to talk about their factory that I discussed a couple episodes back about, I don't remember what it's called, but it's just about my new home and making it my own. But I wasn't sold on that topic. I wanted to, I don't know, potentially talk about something else and save that for another time. So I figured I'd go on a jog to meditate on it and explore the neighborhood. Immediately as I started, I felt the fairy energy very strong right off the bat. It was escalating and escalating and I started feeling it kind of take over me a little bit. Anytime I connect with fairy energy, I feel like I turn into a mischievous, curious little child. <laughs> it's a very specific feeling, and I would, I could feel that. I was turning into that part of Amber. My mentor used to say that I turned into a fairy when I channeled, and that was very much true. That's literally what it felt like. So this energy washed over me, and... Soon after that, I remembered a little song from a movie that I had totally forgotten about. Again, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I'm sharing it again. (laughs) When I was young, my mom told me about this movie called Fairy Tale, A True Story, which was loosely based on the Cottingley fairies. I think that's what they're called. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure. But anyways, if you aren't familiar with the story, they were two young cousins who claimed to have photographed fairies. 
these photos got worldwide attention, and that was the inspiration for this movie. I was obsessed with this movie so badly. If you've been listening to my podcast and you watch it, you will see you will see a lot of things in there that I did. I copied that movie to AT <laughs> as a way to connect to the fairies more. There was a little poem song thing that the girls sang in the movie to get the fairies to come out and talk to them. The first time I watched the movie, I was at a friend's house. I wrote it down and we literally paused the movie and immediately went outside to use it to see if it would work. I'm going to sing it for you. (laughs) Enjoy my beautiful voice. Here we go. It goes like this. Come out from your fairy bower. Come upon this golden hour. Come to us, we beg you, please. Fairies dancing on the breeze. Beautiful. Savior applause. (laughs) I used to recite that little song anytime I was trying to connect with them. I would usually repeat it like three times, and I would feel the breeze getting stronger and stronger, and I always took that as confirmation that they were listening and meeting my request. So, this memory jumped in all of a sudden as I was jogging, and I began reciting it to myself in my head. It had been years since I sang it. So, I repeated it three times, and then something really weird happened. It felt like time stood still. There was this tree in front of me that I was about to walk under, and the sun rays were hitting the branches in such a way that you could, like, actually see the rays. It looked so majestic. There were these little white flowers that were raining down from it as the breeze was picking up. I smelled this sweet floral smell. I don't know what kind of floral flower smell it was, but it was really wonderful. I felt a huge rush of energy, and it was just this crazy moment of, like, trance, and I knew that they were telling me really hard that they wanted me to share their story. So, I accepted and was excited to begin connecting. This dog we were watching was stressing me out really bad, so I didn't want their story to get muddled with that, which is also part of the reason why I waited to push it to this week. But last night, as I was getting ready for bed, I started thinking again that, you know what, maybe I want to go another direction. I had like a new idea come to me that I wanted to talk about. This reflection came in right as I laid for bed, and I figured I'd just kind of sleep on it. I was woken up super early in the morning by my doorbell going off multiple times for absolutely no reason. There was nobody there. There was nothing. It was just going off, and it woke me up from a dead sleep. So this morning, after this happened, I woke up. I did my daily yoga outside put out some trail mix for my fairy friends over here, and got my laptop out to begin writing this podcast. In writing out this stuff on my laptop, I received a download from them that showed me the beginnings of them and their factory. The first thing that I saw was regarding a smaller fae that I hadn't seen before. He looks like Dr. Seuss's Sam I Am but his fur is more orange, and his snout comes more off of his face, kind of like a cat. His nose is like a little black ball, and he's got um, black whiskers. He is the owner or the manager of the factory. I saw, like, 
this visual of entering the fairy realm, like there were these rolling hills and he had walked into this piece of land and I was hearing all this like music, like, ah, just this beautiful open setting. There were like birds and the sun looked all magical and stuff. It just had, uh, it felt like Narnia, like how Narnia is depicted in, in the movies. It just, there's just that like magical hint to it when you're looking at it. And he essentially decided that this was going to be the place where he was going to build his factory. Right when I saw that, I started to get questions regarding how how that works. <laughs> because it's a different way of being, you know? So, like, how do you have to buy the land? How does that happen? But then my questions were immediately, like, shut down. And they diverted to that really big, like, ogre kind of theory that I had seen outside and I it was a weird like I got a quick flash of uh his family or something it was like he came from this warrior background and it felt really strong and then all of a sudden my stomach started to hurt and like things felt forced and felt weird so I decided to stop writing I went inside I walked into my living room I saw another really big, tall, muscular-looking fairy guy at my front door um, that felt, like, metallic, if that makes sense. It, it didn't feel heavy, but it felt like, like, just metallic. <laughs> it felt metallic. Um, it, felt, it felt weird. Um, and I realized that, I guess, I don't know. They, you know what? Honestly, fairies fairies just like things to happen in the spur of the moment so am I really surprised at all of this not really but I feel like they want to get their stuff in order and they want this process because it has to do with a representation of all of them to be more abstract and fluid as well so I decided that I'm gonna go with it I'm gonna record this episode a little bit different than I usually do Today is Wednesday, September 8th. Um, I'm just going to kind of come check in every day and tell you what I am feeling and hearing in regards to their story um, just to keep track because I feel like that's what they want. So we'll see what happens. I'll see you tomorrow. Hello, I skipped a day. Today is Friday, September 10th. Things felt very much in the marinating stage yesterday on their end still, so I didn't push the connection, but today things feel a little better. Okie doke. So starting with this Sam I Am man, he gave me the name Henry. He's giving me some Rolling Hills in Ireland type vibes. It sounds like he either has an Irish or Scottish accent. But I can't tell which. I feel like it's a little harsher than an Irish accent. Hmm. His, I feel like his energy originally came from Ireland or somewhere in that area. He's definitely a traveling entrepreneur. <laughs> I see him with like a top hat and a suitcase. He likes to meet new people and leave his mark in areas around him. So he likes just traveling and getting to know new places and exchanging things with the people around. I'm seeing him selling these little coins that are the portal to like little homes or nooks. Similar to how in movies a genie's lamp will hold like their home where there's like a living room and everything in this tiny bottle. It feels very similar. It's like a little pocket portal that connects to a specific type of 
nook. There's like different layouts that you can choose from. I feel like this was his first really big invention. Um, He went around selling these in exchange for other magical things. He's showing me one thing that he had gotten in in it. Whoa. In exchange for this was uh, that didn't make sense. Let me say that again. He's showing me that one thing he had gotten in in exchange was this like sheet of transparent fabric that when you shake or when the wind hits it, the sound of bells start sounding and it like expands into a mist that entrances anyone or anything on the underside of it. He found a way to tune this magic to essentially transport things to a different area, like a portal. I think he likes portals a lot. I feel like those are his forte. So he was able to connect to a certain thing um, just by using intention. It could be like, I don't know, like a tool that he had forgotten in the woods or something. He just sets an intention to like captivate that energy. It almost like paralyzes it or like it deeply entrances it so it can't move. So it paralyzes that energy um, and then he just kind of pulls it into wherever he currently is. I'm seeing this primarily being used for objects and plants. He doesn't like kidnap anybody. This isn't like a freaky thing, you know. I don't understand how it works because I don't fully understand their magic, but yes. So he made his way across the world. He's saying that he usually doesn't stay in a place for that long. He has like time markers in various areas, which means that he has a literal sheet of like these little markers on it, which are all portals that connect to a specific time at a specific location. So he's able to go back or forward in time to shift the direction of whatever little project he has established in a specific area of the world, which is really interesting. These projects don't always have other beings attached to them, like this factory and my home does. Um, Sometimes it's like a bundle of energy that continuously reacts to itself to produce some sort of outcome, whether that be a type of fuel that other phase need or a source of nutrient-rich energy for them to absorb. Um, Specifically seeing a light bluish, purpley, jelly, shiny thing that is like moving around itself, constantly mixing This is creating some sort of reaction that allows it to emanate this like glowing neon light. And by being near this light, their bodies are able to absorb energy that like invigorates them. It's like nutrient rich. I'm literally seeing it in like a clearing and all they do is just kind of walk by it. Um, So if one of them gets sick or is just highly out of balance, uh, like super angry or just getting kind of aggressive... Um, by going near this light, it completely like resets their energy. I just heard a knocking sound from inside the wall, and now I'm getting increasingly lightheaded, <laughs> and it's making me feel a little bit woozy. Oh God. I feel like my astral body is literally lifting out of my physical body. My consciousness is split between them, so I can still, like, talk and see in my physical, but I can also see what's going on energetically. I'm scared of heights, and it's going really high, and it's kind of making me a little bit nervous. (laughs) 
yeah, I don't feel like I have control over this, which is kind of weirding me out. Okay, I'm now starting to come back down into my body, but there is a slight imbalance. I'm not fully in it. I'm like next to it. But I feel like this is necessary for some reason, so I'm going to continue on. Um, ah, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> this is so uncomfortable. Okay, so Henry came to this location. Oh, Henry is the three foot tall, like wild haired rabbit looking guy I had talked about in that episode. He is a fairy, so he has a lot of different personalities that he'll try on. And this is the embodiment of one of those specific personalities. I'm feeling tingling down my leg. It literally feels like he's petting me. <laughs> it feels like he's petting my leg here. Okay, he's giving me some sort of energy. I can't see it, but I can feel it. I feel like I am being engulfed in some type of bubble. Uh, actually, it feels like I'm in like a metal cage. I feel like this is actually the factory that he's welcoming me into. It feels like an empty box, so everything in here is purely energetic it's almost like in order to enter or take part in the operation, you need to fully be in an energetic form, which is why I think he split, he shot my astral body out. This box feels energetically very full. There is a lot moving through here. It's so fluid, though, that I can't even, like, grasp what the purpose is. <laughs> I can't grasp anything. I just, like, it's purely sensational. Mm. He just said that the purpose is exactly that. It's to release the physical constraints of objects and use the energy to weave into whatever it is they need it for. It's almost like they can mix different energies together by somehow creating a... Um, oh my gosh, my words aren't even working. I feel like I'm literally so far into an energetic state, it's difficult for me to come up with words that physically represent what I'm feeling. I feel like I'm in water and it's in slow motion. Okay, I'm snapped out of it. I am no longer in the factory. I am now in alignment with my body a little bit better. So basically what's going on is they convert this energy to threads which they will twine together and weave into fabric or infuse into whatever they need uh, I'm feeling kind of nauseous for some reason the like after effects of whatever just happened is not comfortable uh, so this is inside oh I just saw him he just gave me a quick flash of his physical embodiment I'm sorry there's like so much going on <laughs> Anyway, so that's inside the factory. That's the main project where they purify and intertwine the energies. And then it goes through a process where it becomes heavier and heavier until it reaches the necessary frequency to adhere to whatever it is the energy is being added to or whatever just the purpose of it is. There are three phases of this entire process. This energy room is phase two and the frequency heaviness shifting process is phase three. The first phase occurs in my backyard and is where they begin extracting the energies. 
So all he's wanting to reveal about this first phase is how they do this with like stones, rocks, and crystals. The ogre guys, he said he's got about four working for him because they're strong, pretty simple-minded, so they'll listen and focus on whatever you tell them to, um, and they're just a lively, jolly bunch. They're a specific type of fairy, but I don't know what to call them. <laughs> but these guys will do the heavy lifting, so they'll pull in the stones from somewhere. I'm assuming he, like, somehow transports them through his little, like, magic. Um, and then they lift them onto a platform, a platform of this machine that is in my backyard. It's some, it's made out of some type of special metal. But it looks like a bunch of pipes, essentially, that are, like, curved around and connected. The machine is very tall, but very thin. It looks fairly simple just by looking at it. So the stone is put on this platform, and then there's, like, a a, a metal tube that's above the platform that, like, energetically compresses it, which pulls out the energetic essence from the physical object or the heavier object doesn't even have to be physical just an object this energy then goes through the machine which continuously makes it finer and finer until it goes into a clear bowl that is at the end of the machine this end portion looks very complex there are a lot of buttons that look like the buttons on a trumpet <laughs> and that is where Henry is sitting. It's, like, elevated for some reason. It's at the top of the machine, um, and he's sitting on this little, like, platform, um, and he's wiggling around the buttons. Each button creates a different type of force or movement on the energy, which kind of shakes off any other remnants to make it as concentrated as possible. As this happens, the concentrated bits of energy will escape out the top of this clear bowl um, and are naturally captured somehow into the metal box to go into phase two. He's saying that the metals they use for everything are his creation. They're infused with some type of energy that prevents anything from sticking to it. As we've talked about before, everything sucks up some of the energy around it. You know, like your walls, every, everything is, is exchanging energy. But this metal does not at all. Everything slips right off. It's like impossible for it to like cling on to it. Oh, I wonder if that's part of the reason why my house felt so empty after I cleansed it the first time. Because it was way more emptier than I've ever felt at home before. Like having to reprogram it so deeply, I feel like is not typical. <laughs> it needs to be programmed, but that was kind of ridiculous. Interesting. So that's how this factory works. That's how this little situation happens. Um, that's about all Henry wants to share. Oh, he wants to say one more thing. Um, regarding the significance of this land, he just liked it. It was in a good spot for him energetically. It was around the resources and beings that he needed for this project. So he just kind of claimed it and then built this project on it, and that's that. It's almost like just by setting an intention in the land that, like, this is my space. It needs to be respected, and that's that.
Um, I feel like there's some type of exchange he does with the land um, just to make sure they're all on the same page. It almost looks like a, not a ritual, but it almost is like an offering. Like it's it, like how we pay rent to a landlord or something. Um, he gives an offering to the land in order to kind of work with its energy, I guess. All right. Henry is leaving now. That is all for now. I will be back tomorrow. Um, I feel like the ogre guys want to come in tomorrow. We will see what comes through until then. Hello again. It is not tomorrow. It is Monday. <laughs> Today is the day I will be publishing this. I had a feeling they would want it to all be really pushed to the last minute just to create a nice sense of chaos that so beautifully settles into a nice little package. So I'm just riding it all out at this point. I'm here for the ride. I was really exhausted this weekend. I tried my best to get my energy together to connect with them, but it was just not happening. So I didn't force it. I woke up again, this time twice, by my doorbell magically going off by itself. So that told me that today was going to be lucky day number three in this conversation. All right, so here we are. Today, I feel like Igor wants to come through first. Igor is the name of the main ogre-type fairy that I had originally seen. I'm not sure if I have said his name already or not. I don't remember, but I do remember stating that he came from a family of warriors, so this is Igor. <laughs> Igor has a very rich family history. His ancestors had fought alongside humans during, like, ancient times, um, whenever there was a battle, they were kings and queens of their own lands and would actively come together with various human civilizations that had befriended them. It came to a time where they knew they had to detach themselves from the humans just due to the necessary unfolding of our weird history. I feel like there was a unanimous understanding that they would have to sort of separate themselves just due to a shift in ideas and values, etc., from forces that kind of began to come in charge of everything. Things just felt a little rocky, so they kind of separated themselves before it escalated. They did, however, maintain some relationships with certain humans or groups of people and would act as guardians or protectors of caverns and stuff that were full of riches. But being fairies, they would create mischief within this. They would hide things, steal things, turn piles of sand and rocks into what appeared to be the riches, but it was actually nothing valuable, and they would just, like, move things over somewhere else. <laughs> over time, I feel like they finally lost interest with humans and then just kind of stuck to the fairy realm. However, they would still come out anytime there was a battle. Their energy is very strong and dominant and very apparent. So those that had known about them would call upon them before battle and these fairies would kind of join them energetically, giving them whatever extra energy was needed. This is different than how the battles had originally occurred before they were like actively on the floor, on the battlegrounds with them. But for this, it was just kind of their essence that was there, which allowed the humans to like essentially channel their energy or feed off of their intense strength to basically just help with their uh, position in the battle or to help plan, stuff like that. 
Over time, these fairies found interest in working with metals, so they became like metalsmiths. They would create instruments, like musical instruments, armor, decorations, etc. for various fey folk. They were just like the go-to metalsmiths. Since fairies are energy and have their magic, I'm seeing that in the process of like hammering a larger project, you know, creating it, anytime like a spark or a piece of metal would fly off of this bigger piece, it would turn into like a, a smaller version of the project. For example, if someone is making a, like, decorative, I don't know, piece of metal, the scraps would turn into, like, smaller decorative pieces that kind of resembled a piece of this larger project, even if this piece of metal was literally not even shaped yet, like, it was just in the shape of a circle, it would fall and then turn into this, like, uh, intricate little, like, leaf or something. The flow of intention and creativity would essentially spill out energetically to influence these other pieces. I'm seeing a group of other fairies that would almost like wait around and watch them do this process. And anytime like a little piece of scrap or spark or something would fly out, they would take one of these cool little miniature pieces. (laughs) So from here, these fairies began branching out and exploring the world a little bit more um, because uh, they were just like so stuck to like their land and owning it and protecting it you know it was it was that's just how they were programmed for so long more uh slowly more and more of them kind of just started exploring and seeing what was out out there in the world a little bit more through this process of just shifting and changing some remained protectors but for other fairies if a fairy had like a special portal or i don't know whatever they would like make an agreement with this uh like ogre type fairy to basically protect it Other ones kind of dabbled in construction-type practices. Igor is saying that the more they ventured away from battle and, like, territorial kind of mentality, they began using their passion to create things, and thus the more kind of tame and docile that they became. He's saying that they were pretty brutal back in the day, but with him and the little community of these guys over here where my home is, that itch for aggression and fighting is now like completely replaced with a passion for like physical creation. So like working at a factory that requires like heavy lifting to create something else. (laughs) You know, they really like using their physical strength. Um, They're very sweet. They are very like they're just very loving they remind me of like a puppy like a pit bull or something like they may look intimidating but they just got such a nice heart (laughs) they're so warm and lovely they're showing me that they like beer a lot i'm seeing a bunch of them like cheering with their beer up in the air and like clanking cups they see beer as a mark for celebratory times i didn't know fairies liked beer (laughs) or alcohol at all (laughs) Um, I just saw a smaller fairy with wings, very human looking, but very small. She's picking up a tapestry from the factory. It looks similar to those like boho fringe tapestries you see nowadays. 
This one looks like a piece of wood, like a stick, not a piece of wood. It's like a literal stick um, with these pieces of thick wool-like fabric hanging down. Uh, it looks kind of like fluffy and um, just very raw. These pieces, as they move, will make the sound of bells. And then, I don't know how to explain this, the piece itself acts like a mirror a little bit. There's like this glowing reflection-y type of energy on each of the like wool type strands and when you push the strands apart these glowing bits of energy like somehow lock into place and create like a mirror so when you open the or when you push push away the wool a mirror is kind of left in its place this glowing energy creates a very like enchanting um very magical like beautiful mysterious kind of moving vibe on whatever it is reflecting so she got this essentially to help practice like self-worship i'm seeing her look at herself fairies love mirrors they love looking at themselves um but with this one because it has that energy it's almost like she's able to see and shift her like appearance or add things to her background i'm not sure it just like enhances everything it seems that the exchange for this was three huge loaves of something that looks like fresh cornbread <laughs> so she gave them these loaves of bread to take home her tapestry which she had special ordered I'm hearing that whenever a fairy wants to make an order, it's not like how we have to go somewhere and have a conversation with a person, but rather it's almost like <clears throat> a raindrop or something is collected. And in this little droplet, it's like a droplet of energy. So everything that the fairy wants or needs or is looking for, basically like the mental blueprint of it is in this little droplet of energy. Um, and that is how they know what to do. This droplet of energy feels like, it's like mail. It feels like how we receive mail, but for them, it's just like a random drop of energy that like falls at a little bowl they have in front of the factory. I want to say that's about all. The energy feels pretty exhausted. <laughs> so I think we got through all of it and everything they want to say. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for your patience. Thanks for being here. This was such an interesting, I don't know, this was this was different. I wasn't expecting to do an episode like this, but this was this was fun. I appreciate you guys always. I'm sending you all so much love and I will see you in two weeks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about what I do, visit channelwithamber.com. For future updates on the show, to give some feedback on future episodes, or to just connect, follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. Shout out to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.